Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the Spatsploitation Book Club, my podcast where I take a positive look at the nasty and the extreme. In the podcast format, I do it with a guest from the extreme horror and splatterpunk community and with me this episode is Jason Nicky. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem, Steve. Um, so yeah, just for anyone who hasn't heard the show before, basically what I do is I invite a guest onto the show and we chat about a book that we both enjoyed. If it's an author, it can't be one of their own and no massive fucking books because I just don't have the time for that. But other than that, it can be any extreme horror or splatterpunk and we'll have a nice chat about it. There'll be plenty of spoilers. So if you haven't read the book already, go read it now. And if you haven't read it, but you're going to listen to it anyway, I think we'll probably be able to persuade you to go and buy it. Um, so yeah, with that said, I'm going to give Jason a little chance to introduce himself first, let you guys know about his work, where you can buy it, etc., anything else he wants to tell you, and then we'll dive into the book. Um, so yeah, floor's yours, Jason. All right, well, I'm a pretty new splatterpunk, uh, I would say horror writer in general, because some of my stuff goes into the splatterpunk, and some of it's just kind of general horror, but mostly worked in short fiction. I have two short story collections out, and two novellas out and I have an upcoming short story collection as well. I have two collaborations with Stuart Bray. So, and like I said, my stuff just kind of ranges between general horror and the extreme splatterpunk stuff. They are available on Amazon and Godless. And I also have a big cartel store for anyone us only sadly because shipping overseas is ridiculous, but I do sell signed copies on my big cartel store and there will be a, Linktree set, set up on here. It's Biblio Beard on Linktree, but I'll make sure we'll make sure they have the link on there for anybody who's yeah, interested right. in checking any of them out. Yeah, the shipping's mad, isn't it? Like I've got a store here now, but like ninety percent of my readership is American. I feel so guilty anytime they order something. I'm like, that's a lovely of you, but just to let you know, the shipping's gonna suck. Even Canada from here, it's I mean, we're it, the countries are connected, and it's like fifteen dollars to ship one book. It's just crazy. Yeah. Oh, it winds me up. <laughs> I kind of encourage people to do multi-buys just because it works out better for the shipping. Like, just looks like I'm trying to take more money, but I'm like, actually, like shipping-wise, it just works out so much better. Yeah, definitely get more bang for your buck there. You do. Um, so how long have you been writing now then, roughly? How long, when did you put your first uh, book out? I've tried it on and off for years, but actually sticking to it and putting stuff out, about a year, almost a year. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good going. We got quite a lot out for a year then. Yeah, it was kind of, I guess the floodgates opened. I guess <laughs> 40 years of wanting to write and finally doing it just kind of opened the floodgates and ideas just started really coming through. And some of them are ideas I've had for years and just never got around to writing them down. Yeah, I'm the same. I've only been doing it for about a year. <clears throat> got like six, seven books out. And it's just like, you know, when I wrote that first book, I was just thinking that first book, that's it. But like the minute you start, you're like, okay, I'm gonna fucking do this now. Like, it becomes as addicting as reading is. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I read um, Wreckage uh, about a week ago. I think I really enjoyed that one. It was really good. Glad you like that. That seems to be my most popular one so far. Although the newest one was Stuart. When the Mockingbird sings, that seems to be beating it out. That's doing better than any of my books ever have. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see that. Even. That's Stuart, that is. Like, why you ensure in your place and how is like doing better than any of my single books. <laughs> that was my introduction to reading you. So, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's a weird introduction to me then because that's not what I normally write. 
<laughs> that's, that's the same with me with Mockingbird. That's definitely more extreme than I've really gone in the past. Mm. And it was kind of a good challenge for me. But I, apparently I did okay because people have really received the book pretty well. So <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's definitely one I'm going to pick up roots soon. Yeah, it looks intriguing. Sounds very nasty. And yeah, see it yeah. a lot of love out there. Yeah, he went more with just making the person to be a bad person. And I was the one that got to punish that person in the second half of the book. <laughs> and he told me, get as gross and extreme as you want. And I went both directions with that. I went gross and extreme. So that's what I like to hear. Still, you got to do it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it must have been very different. Like I said, Wreckage was, wasn't really much kind of gross out in it. It was more just mentally kind of playing with your mind throughout. And that's what, that's what my goal was with that, you know, cause I've always loved books that kind of mess with your head and make you not sure what the reality of the situation is. And I feel like when it's done right, it can be like a really, you know, it's, it's a book that makes a mark. It's one that you'll always mm. remember. And I was kind of going for something along those lines. So I think you've done well. that's been really well. <laughs> yeah, no, I was really impressed. I really enjoyed it. It was because you're so sympathetic towards the guy, right? Like you yeah. just. You just feel bad for him. You just want him to be all right. But at the same time, you're like, there's no way you can be all right. This situation is impossible. <laughs> uh, yeah. So before we um, kind of dive into the Hands of Anon by Chris DeLeo, is it? Dalio? DeLeo, um, yes. Dalio, yeah. Um, what made you... Oh, there we go. Is that your signed copy? Yes. Awesome. Um, so yeah, what made you choose this one? Why this out of all the books you could choose? Uh, it was it's more recent, so I I read it right after. It was one of the first ones I read after AuthorCon, so it's still kind of fresh in my memory. But also just like I just had a lot of fun reading it, just because it's such an outrageous story, <laughs> but it's told so well. Like I just had a really good time with it. It's 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 one of the standouts of the year for me so far. Yeah, I was really impressed. I didn't realize it was um, Grindhouse Press as well. It felt a little bit different for them. Yeah, and it's it's kind of different from his other work as well because I had done, um, I'd read this one last year. It's called Children of Fire, which is also about a cult. And he had said that uh, The Hands of Onan was kind of like his response after writing this. Like this was his more <laughs> serious, it wasn't really extreme or anything, but it's a really good suspenseful story. I really enjoyed this one. And this was kind of his, you know, alternate version of that, but taking it in a completely different direction. And I, I saw met him at the author con and, you know, was telling him how much I appreciated that book. Cause he actually sent me this one for free from a convention oh, I, I was at. I just missed him there and I messaged him looking for his table and he's like, give me your address. I'll send you one. So I found him at, and he, he explained what this one was about. And he said it was about a cult, but about a masturbation cult and i was like yep sign me up i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah when you suggested it you were like oh it's about a masturbation cult. yeah we can do that one that's cool let's do that <laughs> um so yeah we'll start with this one do you want to kind of give a brief synopsis of it all right well so you start out with well if i remember correctly the name is pronounced it says in the book that the name is pronounced stifey but it's the the guy's name is Michael Stiffy, but it's spelled kind of like Stiffy, which is definitely a good uh, <laughs> pun thrown into the book. So like every time his name comes up, it kind of makes made me laugh at least, especially with the content of the book. But he has a friend that's kind of disappeared. His friend's wife comes and her husband's disappeared, and 
he's she wants him to figure out where he went and where you know what's going on with it and everything and he tracks him down and it's this he's joined this cult but it's kind of just this cult of all men and it's a masturbation cult and and trying to track it down and everything he he finds the cult and ends up being like drawn into it and everything like that and had the, the temptation with it and all and it just it gets pretty crazy the ending is really wild and not at all where i expected this book to go no i had no idea where this book was gonna go but it kind of got me straight away like the fact that it kind of like started off and he's kind of like talking about masturbation but kind of saying like how creative people are like the most likely to do it because of all that kind of like time in between stuff and if i can just sit in there and got me straight because he was a he was a writer if i remember correctly right um yes he was yeah he he was a writer sex book or something and he'd written a book about masturbation or sex or something but he was struggling with his kind of second book yeah and there was the whole the backstory too with him with his his ex-wife where she left him because he would (laughs) masturbate too much (laughs) she was masturbating sex with him yeah that's part of it too like i think that's like i mean and not even to get like personal but i think that's something a lot of guys have battled with on and off is like you know that temptation to do that more often than it should be there and i think that's why it's also like it's it's funny it's got some good gross out or gory crazy stuff in it but it's also somewhat relatable to any guy i would think yeah like i said that's why i found it funny the fact that he kind of specifically was like creative people like you know they're the ones like make you know the lawyers or like doctors maybe occasionally because of high stress but the creatives it's just procrastination (laughs) yeah um okay he froze up for a second sorry oh that's okay yeah no you have as well now (laughs) as long as you can still hear me uh so yeah what did you make of um the kind of the, the kind of friend's wife sort of character then. I found that quite an interesting approach. Yeah, it was because it's, she also seemed to have the animosity towards him as well because mm. she felt like they were kind of one and the same personality-wise. And it just like the whole disappointment and everything. Hello. thing with him and the pressure she put on him i thought that was an interesting angle to take with the story too because it adds a story as well yeah because you kind of it sets it up like it should be like his partner right his ex-wife because she's the one disappointed in him as well but then it's like you know he's not even dealing with his own wife he's dealing with his mate's wife and it's not even like his best mate it's just someone he sees every now and again which i think just adds to the humor of the book that's the humor but it also adds to me it was like added to because there's that little bit of a anxiety of like wanting him you want him to figure out what happened and try to help his friend and stuff like that and just him wanting to do it without her with her pressuring him to do it and everything like that it just kind of added to the tension in the story yeah i just yeah it was an interesting approach because you kind of feel without her interference you probably wouldn't have bothered that and the fact that you know without her interference too he might have ended up getting stuck there yeah yeah it kind of worked both ways didn't it yeah like i feel like that kind of nagging voice in his head of her is what kind of somewhat kept him into reality there because with him being like his 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 wife had left him already and everything like that you know he wouldn't have had as much to lose 
So I mm. think that was kind of a thing there too. It was give him like some voice of reason, like telling him like, this is ridiculous. We need to get out of this. <laughs> yeah. We keep cutting up a little bit there, but hopefully the audio is all right. <laughs> um, yeah, I liked, yeah, I think it was, like I said, I think it was very interesting. I hope it's was... all right. Uh... Yeah. I was gonna say I hope it's all right. I know it's it seems to be working today, but yesterday there was outages in my area, so uh, okay. I don't know. Well, hopefully it won't be too bad. I might just have to do a little <laughs> bit of editing here and there. Uh, but yeah, no, I thought it was definitely fun having this kind of sort of yeah, like this nagging character really, like who's kind of kind of his conscience, but also like you know she wants fucking results. Like she wants to to find her husband so she can drag him back home because he's got like a kid and he's married and shouldn't be off yeah, going in a masturbation cult. You basically assume too when she, if she did get her husband back she's going to just be like smacking the shit out of him too. So like you kind of have that image in your head too of her like shaking him and smacking the hell out of him getting him home. Definitely. Yeah. No, I felt <laughs> the same. I thought she'd literally be like dragging him by the ear and fucking throw him in the car and just <laughs> wailing on him um yeah the other thing i found um quite interesting was the the fact that like this kind of the kind of all the different parts of the masturbation cult were not kind of what i was expecting so like his lead to begin with was like the sex therapist you kind of expect her to have some knowledge on the matter but it was kind of it felt like a very kind of interesting place to start the kind of adventure really and the connection there was not something I expected either. No, no, I wasn't expecting that at all. Like, even I though there's a, a really limited cool... amount of characters in the book, you still didn't really see that one coming. No, because I honestly didn't expect it to have the supernatural aspect that it did. I thought it was just going to be mm. like some, it was more of like a psychological thing. I didn't realize there was going to be a supernatural element <laughs> to it. So I did like that. But um, it was also just like some of the scenes, it's just, like the image of him was funny just like all these guys that you know not even like in a gay way just like around in a circle just masturbating to this altar <laughs> and it was just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> yeah no again that was that, not what that I was, was really cool that wasn't what i was expecting either with the setting for that because i was expecting it to be i don't know in my head i had like I don't know, something more akin to a fancy spa or something. I don't know. I wasn't expecting it to be some like dingy basement at the bottom of a hotel. Yeah, like a seedy back room. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it'd be like some, yeah, like some fucking posh spa or some fucking temple if they were going to go for the supernatural route. But it's literally like, yeah, we got room downstairs in the basement so you can set up there. And that was one of the things I liked about it, too, was just, you know, the storyline, the, the actual topic of the book is very over the top. And there is humor thrown in there, but the storytelling in there is done in a serious way as well. It's very good storytelling, and it it keeps you really strung along through the ridiculous events. Like, I, I really enjoyed that because there are a lot of books you read sometimes where they're over the top and ridiculous, and they're just simply that. You know, there's not always great storytelling with that. I really mm. appreciate when you can have the two together. Yeah, I think for that and what he done here is you got to take the subject matter seriously, right? Like it's a masturbation cult. That's fucked up. That's weird. That's funny. But he wrote it seriously, which just kind of made it funnier. Yeah. And I, just, I remember there was um, 
I don't do that. We've talked about it a little bit ago, but the tabs and stuff like that. I, if I did have was one, was one of those people that do tabs, there's a lot of really little uh, funny, subtle humor moments in it too. Just like stuff that written in plain text, but when you, when you read it, it kind of makes you chuckle to yourself because it's just, you know, it's thrown in there for that context, but it's still very serious in its tone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find him quite funny as well. The character, just that constant, like, trying to talk himself out of it in his head, but still kind of going along with it all the time. Yeah. And the, what was the book called? There was the book that was like the, it was like a Bible on self gratification or something. And I can't remember what it was called now. Yeah. It was basically whatever the masturbation version of the Necronomicon is. Well, it was the book of Onan, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe it was. Yeah. I think, I it, think was it was actually, called the yeah. book of Onan. Yeah. It was like, like yeah. a, book that was missing from the bible supposedly or something like that but it was all about you know pleasing yourself <laughs> <laughs> i like when those sort of stories pop up i remember reading one god i can't remember how long ago it was now it was like one of these like um maybe it was like a lucas mangum book i can't remember but like they were talking about like these missing sort of stories of the bible and it was so fucking convincing i had to like google it and i was like no they've just made this fucking up like but I think this one's well, got are... a bit more truth to it, hasn't it? There is like some Onan stuff out there. I believe so. I know there's there's if, if, depending on where you look and what you like, what the sources are. There are supposedly missing books from the Bible that aren't in like the current day Bible. Like I know the Book of Enoch is a big one, and I think some Catholic Bibles have that. But mm. I believe there are other ones as well. I'm not real sure. I don't really study a lot of that stuff. No. So some of that stuff I've come across in passing, like seeing information about it or something. But it's always a good source for like a book, though, isn't it? It always works really well. Any like missing stories in the Bible stories just always kind of, I don't know, they work really well, I think. I always find them quite fun. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen it. The, uh, the horror movie from the 90s, Stigmata. That was yeah. kind of a topic matter in that too, because there was like missing text from the Bible that the church was keeping hidden. And that's why that priest was essentially possessing her because he wanted to expose that text. Yeah. God, that was a long time ago now. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, it's been a long time, but it's a good movie. Yeah. yeah, I remember liking it a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what did you think of the antique store as well? As I said, that was a bit of a left turn. Yeah, um, I didn't, I, <clears throat> with the missing hand and everything. Yeah, I didn't expect that. <laughs> and that he was actually being used to try to get back into it and everything. So <laughs> I didn't see that part coming either. I knew that the guy, I mean, it made it clear the guy was an ex-member, hmm. but I didn't realize it was his kind of method of trying to get back in, like to get back in their good graces. Yeah, that was part of the kind of humor of it as well, wasn't it? The whole fact that Huey had lost a hand and... He's like, you needed both, you know, you only need one hand to whack off sort of thing. So you could still get back in there. So <laughs> we'll, we'll punish you, but we don't want you to stop doing it altogether because, you know, you need to be kind of praising the God of Onan or whatever. Yeah, you need to still be able to do your thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's quite a funny dynamic. And yeah, you had the woman in the store as well, like the kind of, christian woman who was trying to talk him out of it into it like that was kind of a another little cool clue like littered throughout the book yeah 
and it, that's that was like at first when she was brought in, I thought she was just kind of like your stereotypical stock character with that, but it ended up having more mm. meaning to it than I realized. I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah, he just thinks she's some weird fucking preachy person to begin with, but it's like, oh no, there's a bit more there. Because that's a fairly standard character to have in a lot of horror stories, so that's yeah. why I didn't think it was going to amount to much more than that. But that was kind of surprising too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's something fun about that store. I liked that it was like that, like Doctor. Uh, what was her name? Howler, wasn't it? It was like, oh yeah, he's in like an antique store, and you're just like, what do you mean an antique store? And it's like, no, it's an actually just an antique store, just with a dude whacking off in the back, like it's fine. Yeah. And it's like one of those you're gonna think about it if you go to an antique store again and some guy comes out from the back, you'd be like, Did you wash your hands? <laughs> I think that's why he picked something so weird, right? It's one of those things like, yeah, when you walk into an antique store you're gonna be like, Oh yeah, remember that one. <laughs> Especially I imagine like walking into an antique store and a guy has one hand, you're gonna be like Exactly, right, yeah. <laughs> like it would be so easy to have made it out you know, a sex shop, a strip joint, whatever. Like, just, it's like, what is the furthest away from that? It's like, an antique store. <laughs> it's one of those two that, like, sadly will, because of the content of it, depending on how it was done, could probably never be made into, like, a short movie or something, because I feel like that could make a really entertaining, funny movie. Hmm. But it would be hard to do that with the rating system, depending on how, unless you just did, like, upper angles and implied what was going on. You know what I mean? But... I think you'd need a time machine and to go back to the seventies and eighties, then you'd be able to make it. Uh, I don't think well, the early eighties, yeah. All that exploitation stuff. Exactly, it fits in nicely with all of that. I think. Moves like because there was always like Salo, um, yeah, what is exactly. it? Um, Caligula. Yeah, yeah, definitely kind of fits in with that uh, that sort of stuff and the Italian stuff and things like that, especially with the supernatural element as well. That just reminded me of like. Italian horror? Yeah, it definitely... I didn't even think about that before you just said that, but I could see it kind of has a giallo feel to it mm. a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what was your kind of first impression then of that supernatural stuff? Like, obviously, imagine like me, you were like, where'd that come from? But yeah, that was kind of, of it. it? But I enjoyed it. It just was... It caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it to go in that direction, but when it did, I was I was there for it. Like, I was wondering... It was one of those... When a, a turn like that happens in a story, you know, that most of us, you get in that point where you're like, all right, are you going to pull this off or are you going to... Is it going to fall flat? Mm. But I've, I personally, I feel like he pulled it off. I thought it was done very well. Yeah, I was the same. I was like... I really liked the build-up. I thought it was a great build-up. I was really intrigued. And kind of got to the cult stuff, which is kind of what I've been waiting for as well. And then it kind of goes supernatural quite quickly. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I was enjoying the, the culty sort of stuff. And so I wasn't sure. But then kind of once I'd kind of got through it, I was like, no, nah, that really worked. Like, that was actually quite a lot of fun. Because that was the thing, too, while I was reading it, you know, before it got to that point, I was just like, how how is this going to end? Cause I felt like if I was writing something like that, I would be, I could probably get really stuck on how to end that mm. and have it end on like a, a satisfying ending. You know what I mean? Not just have it just fall flat or be something stupid. Like, cause that happens a lot of in stories, you know, where you have this really good buildup and then just a climax that falls flat. Yeah. Can't get the climax wrong in a masturbation cult. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I didn't even think about it when I used that word, but yeah. 
But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the Supernatural element. I think, like, it definitely wasn't what I was expecting. It definitely caught me off guard. But yeah, I think once it played out, you were like, actually, no, that's pretty funny. It was kind of cool, too, because it's I haven't really read anything like that before with that kind of topic matter. But I did write a story that kind of dealt with that in my second collection, Reckless Abandon. It's a story about uh, f- like four or five guys that go on this bachelor party in Vegas and this, they, they piss off this old man who puts like a curse on them. And it basically makes them overindulge in their addictions. And one of the guy's addictions is masturbation. So he mm-hmm. ends up like locking himself in a public toilet and he can't stop doing it. Like he rubs his skin raw and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, when I was writing it, I was just like, I don't think I've read anything like this in a book before. And then when I found this, I was like, oh, cool. So mine's not the only story that deals with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that was the other way this one could have ended, really, was just, yeah, went too far with the masturbation. Yeah. Uh, What about the uh, Doctor character then, Doctor Howlow, who turned out to be the mastermind? I thought it was definitely an interesting twist, but it made sense to have, like, the woman, because... Hmm the men are just, you know, too stupid to realize what's going on because their their minds in another place or they're using the wrong head. So it definitely to me made more sense because it seems like when it comes to that, even in real life, I mean, it's very realistic where it's like men are more likely to lose their minds over anything related to sex, whereas women have a more level head when it comes to stuff like that usually. So I right, could definitely like see how a woman could get like pretty much lead men into something like that easily. Yeah, it felt to me like the old um, sort of like Elsa sort of stuff, the old sort of like Nazi exploitation stuff with like the Elsa character and just that power she would have over a bunch of guys who can't stop wanking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, the fact that she had kind of talked him into going so as well was quite fun. Like she basically just reverse psychology while being his psychologist, which is just hilarious. Yeah, she played him like a fiddle. Yeah, she's just and, too funny. And she, he found her. She, she refused to see him or something at first, right? Because he, he found her in a parking garage is where she finally gave him the information. Because I think at first yeah. she refused to see him because he had done something to piss her off. I can't. That part I can't remember. Uh, I think it was more just the fact that he was unannounced as well. I think she was like, "Yeah, if you want to chat? You got to make an appointment," sort of thing. But he was like, no, I don't need an appointment. I just need to, you know, you'd appoint me in the right direction. Um, And yeah, which led to the antique shop and kind of off on this weird trail. Um, Because you had that bit as well with him in the car park, didn't you? Where he's just whacking off in the car park and some kids watching through the window or something. After starting reading the book. Yeah, I was from reading the book. Because as soon as he started reading the book, he started getting turned on and everything. And it was just like... (laughs) Just kind of picture it that, that there were so many scenes in that that you know when you pictured them it was just like you we said before it was written seriously but like to get the mental image in your head it's hilarious hmm. and just so so over the top but it, it worked really well I well just, yeah because the mental image is him literally sitting in his car with this old filthy ripped up dirty looking book to whack <laughs> it off to it but in the pictures or anything it's just like this weird old text like just a few steps away from having an old scroll or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like holding the scroll open and taking care of business. <laughs> it's not far off that at all. Or there's his dad and kid like in a fucking car next to him or something. 
but yeah but really dead seriously like he can't fucking stop himself like there's this addiction there's this draw to it that he just can't feel like he's falling under the spell of this book but yeah from the outside it's like this is fucked up and it's funny because yeah, even like with the out like you said the father and his kid it'd be like what the hell's wrong with this guy like you're, yeah. just, you're parked in your car like go home <laughs> exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. can you not just fucking load up internet porn like everyone else like why are you reading an old book at a car phone yeah <laughs> it's old school porn old school porn yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of lead to some torture porn as well at the end yeah um yeah what else have we got here yeah, I, I thought the um, the old guy was quite funny as well. The antiques guy, like you know, like you said, with the one hand and uh, kind of, I guess he was like the Mordecai sort of role. He was like the guy trying to talk him out of it, but again, was also talking him into it. Like everyone in his fucking book played him. Yeah, it was just like the they were just leading him further and further into the rabbit hole, and it was like mm. just ha- his his determination to figure it out but also like his his own curiosity about what it was just drove him deeper into it and made him more susceptible to everything that was happening around him. they just everything was all the cards were played correctly to just lead him right into that yeah i can't remember how did he how did he stop it was something to do with ego wasn't it if i remember rightly i think so and it was um the it was the, his artist friend wasn't it who kind of gave him the advice on just kind of or yeah like this ego thing or just making it about something else and yeah versus ego and everything like that and yeah which was quite a kind of interesting way for him to put on the brakes and it's and yeah had a bit of a creature design as well right i think we saw kind of onan sort of yeah come out of the uh the penis altar Yeah, they're all in a circle, jacking off over in their cloaks. Well, if if it 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 glowed and then it swell, swelled up, didn't it? And then it like I think shot. So. Or so. Yeah, yeah. And then it opened. And when it when it did its thing, that's when Onan came out. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was a pretty well. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed the way that just it, it was just so crazy at the end. That's one of those ones where if it was done in a film, you want that to be some practical effect. You're like, no, someone's got to make that fucking statue. Like, yeah, I don't want yeah. no CGI for that. I want don't CGI that society shit. stuff going on here. <laughs> Bring in somebody like um, Tom Savini or something like that. You exactly, know, one of the really yeah. good. Yeah, get someone who knows what they're doing and make a fucking penis statue. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, very fun book and. So yeah, probably the first book I've kind of read on masturbation like that. It was definitely something a bit different. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing too. I, I love when I read a story that's like completely original like that. Because mm. if something like that has been done, I've never heard of it or never seen it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it was new and fresh and original to me. And that was when I picked it up. It was one of the first books, like I said, that I read after AuthorCon. And I read it in, I think, one sitting. Mm. I think I started, I might've taken a break in the middle to eat lunch or something, but because it's a pretty quick read and I just, I, I just couldn't put it down. I was just like, when I want to, and I, I remember I stopped for a minute, a little bit to eat lunch and I was sitting with my partner and I was telling him about the book and he was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, he's well aware of the weird stuff that I read and all, but so nothing really surprises him anymore. But it's just fun. One of those like that's different. Yeah, well, it is different. I, I think I put on Facebook like I was reading a book about a masturbation cult, and like Duncan Ralston messaged straight away and was like, "Oh, which book?" Because <laughs> like there aren't that many out there, so it's something kind of interesting and different. Well, a lot of times too, when I post my reviews, at least on social media platforms. I tried to do like a picture or something with it. And when I did this one, I actually like, I set it on a table and I had a box of tissues and a bottle of lube on the other side. <laughs> and I was just like, just read a book about a masturbation called ask me anything or something like that. And it just, it, it <laughs> definitely got some responses from people. I think it probably helped sell a couple copies at least. Nice. Now, hopefully this will help sell a few more because there aren't many books about masturbation cults out there. Yeah, I just got another one of his on Audible too. It's called uh, Blood Mountain. I haven't started it yet, but like I said, the uh, the other one I read this, the Children of Fire, is more serious. But it's mm. a father like rescuing his son from a cult that his um, ex wife took him to. So it's it's more serious. It doesn't get really graphic or anything. It's just more of like a suspense thriller. But yeah. it's also very well written. I really enjoyed that as well. So I definitely want to read more from him. And like he's a super nice guy too. Like meeting him in person, very nice guy told an awesome gross out story and won the contest at AuthorCon. So, and that was mm -hmm. the thing too, with AuthorCon, he was actually kind of different. Like a lot of the gross out stories were really good, but most of them were like sexual in nature. And his actually mm -hmm. wasn't, his was one of the few that was not sexual in nature, but it was just really gross. And it was just hilarious. And So the guy that wrote the masturbation cult book was like, no, I'm not dealing with sexual stuff. Like... No, it was like, um, it was like from a baby or a really young toddler's perspective like crawling around the bathroom floor and just pretty much eating anything it finds <laughs> and it got yeah it got pretty gross <laughs> <laughs> i can already imagine where that could go it was i remember something about like the mother threw up after seeing the baby do it and then the baby was like picking carrots out of the puke and eating them and stuff it was so gross but he had the whole the whole crowd like roaring and laughter and everything that sounds amazing i might have to see if that's when one of his short story collections i don't know if it's going to be or not I didn't think to ask him that, but I think he wrote that for that. Yeah. So it might be in something upcoming. It's not out yet as far as I know. Cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely need to check out a bit more of his work. Because like I said, this one was really well written. Like it's yeah. a weird subject matter and it's a very odd tone, but like flawlessly written. Like... Yeah, and like I said, the other one, Children of Fire is very well written too. Like the the writing really kept you on edge the whole time. Yeah, no, definitely done a really good job with it. Um, just trying to think if we're missing anything in the book. Is there anything else you can think of that we haven't covered for? No, I think we've we've covered most of it because you actually had brought up a few things that I had forgotten about or didn't think of offhand. But yeah, there's because there's it's a, like I said, it's a really short, quick read, and it just he gets led down that rabbit hole mostly by the psychologist, psychologist and the the antique shop owner, hmm. and he ends up finding that hotel where it was down in the base. It was in the basement of a hotel, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And it was just, it, like you said, it was like, you were kind of expecting like a church type building or like a mm. club type thing, not like a dingy <laughs> dungeon basement. And, <laughs> but I guess at the same time, that's rather fitting. Like it's just, it's cause it's, it's a seedy thing anyway. So. I think I would have expected the seedy thing if the antique shop was a sex shop, but then it would have been two seedy things. So I yeah. think he kind of just played it right there, gave you something you weren't expecting, so that you then weren't expecting the thing you were expecting. Like, yeah, definitely, I can uh, see that too. Yeah, 
and then yeah just a very fun ending really just i liked the kind of the kind of aftermath of it i think that worked really well yeah really good book though i really enjoy i'm glad you liked it too because when i brought it up and you said you hadn't read it yet i was like hoping you would i figured you would like it but i was hoping you liked it that's why i was like i was kind of anticipating hearing what you had to say about it <laughs> it's not too much i dislike to be honest like i find a lot of it all fascinating because it's just a lot of different stories being told and and especially when they're a bit more extreme or a bit more out there like you can just have a lot of fun with the stuff i think that's what's more fun about the indie stuff because that's most of what i read i would hmm. say 99 percent of what i read probably is indie and it's because they can push those boundaries you know the yeah. indie authors aren't being held back by publishers like the big big name publishers are going to say you can't write that <laughs> but yeah. the indies are like well well this one's grindhouse but i mean a lot of us you know just like well fuck you i'm going to self-publish then so. Yeah, <laughs> I even Grindhouse are like small enough that they can just do what the fuck they want. Yeah, I mean they, they've I've read other stuff from Grindhouse too, and it's it gets a lot grosser and more extreme than this. So, oh yeah, like the Depraved series is Grindhouse, and that's amazing. The newest uh, Triana was, and that was really good too. That uh, Prettiest Girl in the Grave. Yeah, he's had a few from Grindhouse Press. I think. Um, or brutal might have been as well. I believe so at uh Blood Relations, a story collection. Yeah. That was a good uh, one. No, I think I've read I've because Grindhouse is where I started. Like that's the first sort of um publisher I came across when reading Extreme Horror. So I think like the first ten I read were all like Grindhouse press stuff. Or um Ritualistic Human Sacrifice by C B Hunt. That was pretty extreme too. That was the probably the second book I read. I think I read Depraved, then I read that. And then I read Gone to See the River Man. So, yeah. Yeah. That was very early on that one. I haven't read any more CV Hunt, actually. I probably need to at some point. I haven't either, but I've been wanting to. Yeah. I bought that directly. She wasn't there this year, but she was at the first author con. They had um, her and Anderson Prunty had a grindhouse table. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, I've actually got a grindhouse pint glass I got from them for buying the books. Nice. Yeah, I saw, um, I can't remember which con it was, but they had one recently with their Grindhouse Press table and it was, it was fucking massive. So many titles now. Oh yeah, there was a ton of stuff there. And it was just one of those looking around, picking out which one I wanted to get and everything. And there was somebody that walked up to the table when I was there. I don't know if you've read it or not, but one of their books too was um, Cocksucker by Lucas Milliron. No, I haven't read that one yet. No. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really out there one. It's good though. Okay. And there was somebody who had picked that book up and we're looking at it, I was like, I highly recommend buying that one. I said, read the first line of that book, and if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will. Because nice. um if I remember correctly, the first line of that book is Abigail could taste the blood on her brother's foreskin. <laughs> and it was like as soon as I opened that book, I said I was like, All right, I'm in for a ride here. Yeah, no. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> Um, no, I don't think I've read any of her. Is it Lucas Mallon, is it? Milliron. Milliron, yeah. No, I haven't read any of his yet, so that might be a place to start. He's a good writer. That one's really good. And um, the newest one he did with D&T, uh, Dead Heart? Yeah, The Dead Heart. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one around, yeah. I think that's his newest one. I, I know it came out sometime la like towards the end of last year, but it's from D&T. It's really good as well. Because yeah. I had actually received, I was on their street team for a while, and I had read this as an arc, a digital arc, and nice. I still bought a copy off of them at the con. Good kids. Is that all mostly indie stuff behind you then? 
Oh yeah, the the top shelf has a big stack of Stephen King, and the other side has Joe Hill, and there's Grady Hendrix as well, who's who was indie, but now he's more mainstream. But mm. yeah, most of this stuff is indie stuff. It's a lot of novellas and stuff. Cool. I keep meaning to watch that. Uh, was it like Final Gale Support Club or something like that? That's Grady yeah. Hendrix, isn't it? Yeah, that was good. Um, it wasn't one of his best, but it was good. His newest one, How to Sell a Haunted House, I did really like though. Yeah, I've seen that one around as well. I'll have to read one at some point, but I'm so stuck with all the indie stuff at the moment. Like, my to read list is massive and it's all indie. Well, that's kind of why I've stuck with him, even though he's become more mainstream, is because I kind of, when I started reading him, he was still very much an indie. I started reading, like, with Horror Store and stuff like that. And just, I've kind of followed him ever since. And they haven't all been hits for me, but I've really liked most of them. And, um, I would suggest if you haven't read him, my personal favorite was We Sold Our Souls, especially if you're a fan of like older metal and stuff like that. There's right. a lot of references to older rock and metal and stuff like that. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I definitely have to check at least one of his books out at some point. Like, I've heard good things. If you do um, audio at all, We Sold Our Souls has a really good audio book. Okay, cool. No, I still haven't done audio. Like, I keep. I keep half thinking I'm going to try it, um, but I don't know. I, I just prefer like reading the book. I take it in better. Like listening to stuff, I just get distracted. My mind wanders, thinking about my own stories or whatever. I prefer reading too, but I spend a lot of time in a work truck driving around every day. So audiobooks can't are really read the book when you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely makes the day go by faster. It makes a lot long drive go by faster when you have a good book because especially if it's a really good book because i mean you'll be driving and don't even realize how much time's passing because you're really pulled into the Mm. story sometimes like you'll get to where you're going and the story's not done yet and you're like damn it now i have to turn it off it's kind (laughs) of like you know having to put your book down it's the same thing so yeah nice now i'm sure i check out some audible stuff at some point because it does seem to be somewhere around there like a bit more interesting as well. Like I hear some of these ones with like kind of a bit more sort of sound effects and kind of the put a bit more production into it. And I feel like that might be interesting. Roland Bercy Jr., his stories, his Mm, his three audible. Um, What was it? Pre-Thanksgiving Stress Disorder. That audiobook is fantastic. Just because of the sound effects and everything. Yeah. (laughs) He takes his audiobooks very seriously from what I saw in the Written in Red podcast. Yeah, and then also the um, the narrator can make a big difference too because there's some narrators that aren't very good, but like in the indie scene, I mean, anything I would recommend anything narrated by John Wayne Caminale. Yeah, because he's a good writer too, but his narration on his book on the I'm books is really good. I'm a fan of his writing. I think like Deadlines is absolutely fantastic book. That, that's my favorite I've read of his so far. That was really yeah. good. I did the audio book for that, and it was fantastic. Yeah. And it'd um, have to be right, like you can't yeah. fuck up the audiobook of deadlines, like that'd be sacrilege, yeah. And what was it? Um, he did Billy Silver, Daniel Volpe's Billy yeah, Silver did. audiobook, yeah. did a really good job with that. Um, Sean Duregger is another really good one, he's doing a yeah. lot of those. Um, he's done the Splatter Westerns and stuff, hasn't he? I don't think he's done any of those, he's done a lot of the um, some of the Encyclopocalypse stuff, yeah. I think that's his company, isn't it? It might be actually, yeah. yeah. He also did uh, Snow Shark. Yeah, he done um, Final Gate as well, which I covered on this podcast. Yeah, I did that one on audio too, Is actually. That was a really good audio book. Yeah, I've been told that one's got all the effects and stuff as well as you're reading it. Yeah, you, it almost, you felt like you were reading a Fulci movie. 
So yeah. it was really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, is there anything else we could have hands of went on? Um, nothing I could think of. I mean, we pretty much, we covered most of it and we spoiled a lot of it. So, <laughs> but honestly, I don't think it's a bad book to spoil because it's not like one that's got like serious. I mean, there's some stuff that surprised me, but if it's, it's not like some, M. Night Shyamalan twist ending to it or anything like that. It's just no. stuff that caught me off guard a little bit, but I still think like, even if you had these spoilers, I still think it's a really enjoyable book. Somebody could, I definitely will revisit it at some point. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely one people should pick up. Like, yeah, even if you know the spoilers and supernatural stuff, it's still very interesting how it all gets there and how it all plays out. And it's a funny book, but like we said, written seriously. So it just, it has a lot of things going for it. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably a decent place to finish, is us both saying you should definitely go out and buy this book. Yes. Um, and yeah, then give this podcast another listen to afterwards, and it will all make more sense. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, dude, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been lovely oh, thanks for to having speak me. to you. And yeah, look forward to more of your work as well. I'm definitely going to keep an eye on things after enjoying Wreckage. Thank you. I was. I wanted to ask too. What, what should I read of yours next? What would um, you say is like your favorite that you've done? Well, my favorite is always going to be Abby versus Transportation Brothers, but that's not the one anyone ever reads. <laughs> uh, that's the. It's uh, the Hillbilly Farm, right? Hillbilly Farm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That one's very movie based, like B movie and filmmaking and stuff. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I'd say like Hack or The Rot are kind of the big two at the moment that are doing all right. Okay, Hack's your newest one, right? Yes, yeah, that's like a home invasion one. So okay. It's a bit of nasty. <laughs> the Hillbilly Farm one sounds up my alley, considering some of the stuff I've written with Stuart and all, so. It's kind of um, how I pitched it to myself, was like if Herschel Gordon-Lewis had done The Wizard of Oz, like that was my pitch <laughs> for it. So if you like right. kind of, you know, that old nasty sort of 60s exploitation horror mixed in with low-budget filmmaking, then that's kind of the vibe I went for. Definitely. Okay, I'll check that out then. <laughs> awesome, dude. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been lovely speaking to you. And yeah, I certainly look forward to reading more. All right, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks, dude. See you later. Bye. Bye.